What, what am I supposed to say? I've never listened to a podcast. You're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. You're, you're, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. Big podcast. Brian McCulloch here with Big Wheel Coaching. Hey, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition of the Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. You probably already know this, but my name is Brian McCulloch. I am the assistant to the Big Wheel. Yeah, believe it or not, that's uh, that's who you married, dear. So anyway, I'm Brian and I'm super stoked to be here with Joy and we're doing another podcast. Joy, we're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, should we call it quarantine weaknesses? Or maybe folks (laughs) are maybe a little more, uh, us included, we're a little more aware of some weaknesses we have because we're spending more time in a small space. (laughs) Is that what we're calling this episode? (laughs) Yeah, we're just moving our uh, our quarantine experiment to other rooms of the house right now. Um, but um, no, looking at weaknesses, you know, we've been talking a lot with our athletes, and this is such a a, a fantastic time, a period for training to look at things that the minutia and places that we can maybe uh, fine tune and work on mechanics, work on some of the behind the scenes portions of being a cyclist athlete endurance athlete that gets swept under the rug when we get caught up with group riding and racing and so we posed it to to our friends fans clientele athletes like hey what are some weaknesses that uh you would like some feedback with and some help maybe discussing and digging a little bit further and so from the questions we got and the feedback we got which was really cool to get from people we broke it into three categories so we have training and nutrition and hydration and so what brian and i are going to do we have you know kind of a list of these questions and like i said we broke them into these three subcategories and we're going to talk through the questions and i i really think that many of these will actually resonate quite deeply with with many of our listeners absolutely they will we're all we're all dealing with so much of the same and so for everyone at home, I just want everyone to think about there. You got to know where Joy and I are coming from in this particular kind of series of podcasts is that for, for many of our athletes, they have more time than ever to train because usually busy life and, you know, kids are going and coming and, and school and all the other things that keep us all busy, busy and uh, fill our busy days and busy lives. And now all of a sudden we've slowed down and, and now there's an emphasis and we're at least looking at what we are emphasizing, what we put our time in. So now we really have to ask ourselves, well, why are we dedicating ourselves so much to cycling and specifically at a time when there's no events for us to do? So one thing that we've really been trying to help everyone with and, and do ourselves is maintain motivation and do so because cycling is such a healthy sport. It's so good for you, whether you're young or old or big or small or tall or short Cycling is an incredible, incredible sport, and it's got so much to teach you at every age and at every level of experience, right? It's not just for pros or or Joes or whatever you want to call it, right? So we're really there's we think that there's a lot of opportunity for everyone in this period of time, and so we're really excited that we got such great feedback for everyone. So um, I guess the first thing I should say is, you know, when Joy and I are talking about weaknesses neither of us really like this idea, like just the word weakness, right? Because it's like, well, you know, there's kind of a someone, somewhat of a passivity to it, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm not going to do anything about it. Whereas like, if you look at things like a limiter, 
maybe it's an undeveloped strength or a limiter, right? Like, so, well, this is limiting my performance, right? It's limiting my ability to go harder on the bike. It's limiting my ability to climb better. It's limiting my ability to enjoy my cycling more, right? With, with my friends or whatever it is. So we want you to think that all of these things, they're not a fixed thing, right, Joy? Like there's something that we can work on, apply some diligent and purposeful uh, practice, and all of a sudden we can make an improvement too. And I think that's what's really exciting about this episode, right? Well, yeah, we think about a weakness, um, you know, it could be like a chink in the armor, you know, something that if if we could not just patch it up, right? Let's actually, how do we fix, you know, how do I fix this piece of drywall that I accidentally, you know, threw a kettlebell into or whatever, <laughs> like that didn't happen by the way, but <laughs> like, I, like, you know, there's, we don't want a quick fix. And so some of these uh, things could take some habit changes and we're looking at on a very like minute level. Uh, let's do some little things in finding the, the validity and, you know, the, when we made the the video asking for questions, I was like, hey, I just ate this bag of um, Easter candy I was supposed to give to somebody else and I'm going for a bike ride and I can think of all the things I'm weak at on the bike, right? And I'm like, hey, maybe I'm going to be really bad at holding my line. You know, maybe I'm not the best pack rider. You know, maybe I'm really bad at sprint. You know, you, the list can go on and on and we don't want you as listeners to kind of go down that path. What we want to do is try to help um, generate a roadmap forwards. And I think even if you say you're not struggling with pack riding skills, what we're going to speak towards can be implemented or maybe give you a couple light bulb moments that you can then transfer to an area that you feel you could do better. Okay. And that's where we have those weaknesses. And, and I'm not necessarily concerned about somebody's nine, eight, seven, six, five minute power, right? To me, that's for lack of a better term, slightly boring. All right. So we, there's there's so much more richness that we can focus on and really find those, um, you know, we're, we're looking at quality of life things. And by helping through these weaknesses, somebody's quality of life can really uh, be improved. So let's start with the first question that we received. And and it's a little bit it's it's a good one. It's a good one. So it says my weakness is identifying my strengths. I seem average yeah. at everything. I see yeah. average at everything. It would be great to nail down. And I want to nail down one strength that I can hang my hat on. And maybe it could be climbing or maybe it could be sprinting, but I'd like to do one. And oh, I like that's so good, right, Joy? Like, how can we help people? Maybe an actual weakness of yours is you're good at everything. Or maybe you're just, you're a jack of all trades, master at none. Maybe, Joy, is that a bad place to be as a cyclist? A lot of this comes down to mindset. Like you're either going to accept it like you and I, Brian, have spent all of our cycling careers as domestiques, right? And so the, the, the things that are traditionally thought as strengths, like winning, uh, being on the breakaway, you know, being on the podium, doing all these very kind of like romantic things, um, we weren't good at. And so we would traditionally think that we sucked or that we're really bad or this is a weakness. But we have to have that kind of paradigm shift. And I think, Brian, when you really accepted the value and the importance of like without good domestiques, you can't have winners, right? You, your sprinter can't get to the line fresh without a good domestique and realizing that for you personally, your strength is much different than your nine teammates. And that's what I really want to encourage our listeners to be like, take away 
the assumption of what a strength is. And just write down a list of the things that you're good at, right? And maybe <clears throat> there's things that you think it's a good idea. You know, think about food, like have five vegetables. You're not going to love them all equally, right? And so you start to kind of weed it down and like, oh, well, I really, really like carrots. Like they're amazing. And I never really knew I loved them so much, but you put it up against a Brussels sprout, you know, and, and trying to find that way of, um, the, the items in our sport that are really held up and highlighted, people all want to have those as their strengths and they're very fleeting and finding their mate. You might be really good at just the process, you know, and, and I think finding validity and, and that being your strength, it actually takes a, it's a little bit of humble pie too, I think. Broadening what we think of as strengths is a big important thing for everyone as a cyclist and everyone in their in their life period, right? Because yeah. you, you can look at it, you can look at it and say, "Well, okay, you know, our our, our team manager Paul Abraham's here at Elevate Webplex is always like he's famous for saying, you know, every sprinter wants to be a climber, and every climber wants to sprint, and everyone wants to be a time trialist." Right. Like, so it's like, it doesn't matter if you're the best climber in the world. They're like, oh, I want to sprint, you know, and it's like, well, you're not a sprinter. Just accept it. Right. And then every sprinter's like, I hate getting dropped. I, you know, I wish I could climb better, you know, and then everybody's like, man, I wish I could time trial better. But, but I think the point of that, of his, his understanding and bringing that to all of us, it really can transcend everyone at every level of their cycling. Right. You don't have to be a pro cyclist to appreciate that. You can look at it and say, hey, I'd like to climb better. Hey, I'd like to sprint better. Hey, maybe I really like to climb, but I, I'm not very good at it, right? Like we have a couple of athletes that I, I would be willing to get bet if we brought them on the podcast, they'd say, Hey, I love climbing, but I'm not very, you know, I'm not the best at it, but boy, I just won't quit. And that's where I think when we broaden our understanding of what a strength could be, that is a strength. Like, Hey, I like to climb even though I'm not good at it, that's actually the best strength to have because that requires mental fortitude. It requires discipline. It requires all of these things. You're doing something challenging that's going to help you grow and improve, right? And so for everyone listening at home, I know it seems as though we spend a little bit of time talking about racing and you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not really racing, certainly not right now, given the current climate, but you know, you race a couple of times a year or this or that. It's not about racing. What it's about is looking at yourself with very broad strokes and saying, hey, what are the habits, the characteristics, what are the things that I do really well, right? And that can be, hey, you know what? I don't quit because I can tell you as a pro cyclist, as a coach, the people that get the furthest in this sport are the people that don't quit. So that's actually the most important thing of anything, but it's the least tangible because you can't measure that, right? You can measure sprinting in watts and you can measure climbing in watts per kilo. And we can do all these fun and fancy things, but you can't, you can't measure determination. You can't measure right. grit. You can't measure, you know, mental fortitude. You can't measure any of these things that, that I'm going to bet any of our listeners can just dominate in a lot of these realms because they've overcome challenges in their life in, in business or uh, whatever it, it's been, you know? And so, so well, I, I would challenge everyone to broaden those strokes and look at themselves and go, hey, 
maybe it's more than just climbing time trial sprint. Like, what am I really good at can be something else, you know? Well, I think it's very important to also like have a action plan or have a, a plan of attack. And whether that for finding those, you know, like if I say like I have one, I'm on a group ride, right? And I'm outgunned by all the males with lots of watts and I'm riding really, really hard. And there's a little bit of, you know, flat sprinty type work and I'm riding hard. And then we get to a climb and all of that, I'm doing every single piece of that mediocre, right? Because I'm so on the limit. So if we really want to see like, well, how good of a climber am I? How good am I of a, a sprinter? Let's fine tune these things. You really need to be um, training with specificity on those things. Right. And there's going to be a time where you might give up. So, so having that plan and really commit like, hey, today I have to be disciplined because Coach Brian said, I want you to go out and do, you know, five sprint set like sprints. And, and this is here's a workout and you're going to do these sprints and they should like be really potent. Right. They're volatile efforts. But then you go and you ride tempo plus on a climb before you get there. Um, we're, we're not setting ourselves up for success and to really fine tune that. So discipline, and I'm always looking for a better word about this, but being diligent to following the plan. And I think that comes into, um, you know, again, Brian and I, in our racing or in our power data, we're not good sprinters at all. And Brian, this last, when before racing finished for the year, um, Brian got fourth at the Tour of Marietta criterion against the best criterion racers literally in the country. So he was committed to using zero efforts, okay, not spending a single match and 100% just going to the finish, right? And giving his best effort in the sprint. So that discipline for a 90 minute race, for a 60 minute race, for a seven minute race is really hard. And what I really encourage people to do is, you know what, you might be a phenomenal sprinter, but you've never given your chance to sprint or you haven't worked on the position. You know, I always said my two best teammates were the wind and the barriers. Okay. So I had, I won a state criterium championship, la di da, right. As a solo racer against teams, because I was patient, I was committed to the plan and I executed, but my numbers would have never given anyone an inclination that that would happen. And so looking at these stories though, like for Brian, I mean, how many times have you raced the Tour Marietta Criterium? I can't even tell you how many, but it's been ever since I like, was a Category 5. That was, you like know. 15 I mean, years. 15 <laughs> times? 15 times? 16 yeah. times? So, it might be more? Yeah. It might be more? So looking at that, and granted, you know, there's been years you've had and been total domestique duty, but this is like, okay, this sounds bad. I was surprised that Brian got fourth. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Like he was just in position. And I feel like you were even seated, right, in the, in yeah, the sprint I never finale. Stood up. I never stood up. So, yeah. and, and then the next day in the road race, same thing. It's all, like, the renowned sprinters in the area. And then Brian. And I'm like, this is, you know, give yourself the chance to actually sprint. And so a lot of times when we look, and we're, we're honing in on sprinting because this, this athlete asks, like, I want to be a better sprinter. It's my weakness. Well, you know what? If we look at your file, and, again, I'm going to use the Marietta criterion because I think some of our listeners, you know, went and did that criterion. And say that there's six spikes of sub 20 second efforts within the criterion that are, you know, above VO2 wattage, you're going to lose. Like when I look back at the file and someone's upset that they didn't win, 
right? Or they're not understanding why, like, I need to get more watts out of my legs. I need to, you know, eat less on Tuesday. Like, no, 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 no. Just be disciplined and and go to the sprinter, like hold the wheel. You know, who's going to, like, we all know the players, we know what's going to happen. And if I can, you know, why are we, why are we using our 20 second sprint effort or our final, our, our race winning effort 13 minutes into the event to chase somebody down or to go for, you know, a preem or, to, you know, and so that's where really learning the nuance of racing, which is why I'm so excited about this time that we can say, Hey, you're going to, let's really fine tune your sprint. Okay. And now let's think about tactically how you would launch a sprint or how you would, what you would need to do. Like you're going to have to give up some of that glory of chasing a breakaway. I'm not going to be the one driving the pace, right? I'm not going to be the one, you know, going for a preem, but I'm going to, I'm going to go all in. And the, the funny thing is, it probably took, like you said, 15 years to do the Marietta crit. There, there's, so every time we've won, we've gotten second or lower like 10 times, you know, and that's something that we have to be okay with as, as the process. But how many times, Brian, has Paul told you guys, like, I don't care that you got fifth, you, you stuck to the plan. Well, execution right? so is a big component execution. of that. Execution. Yeah. So somebody, there's going to be somebody there that's better than you. You know, at some, you know, and it's like, hey, but if you if you didn't stray from the plan, like you committed and you you executed to the very, very last millimeter. Awesome. Good job. And and be OK, like somebody was better than me today. Oh, gosh, that's a hard one to, you know, kind of swallow. That's a great point, Joy. That's a great point. And to bring that back to our conversation about weaknesses is everyone, we, I want you guys to think that that. When we want you and know that you have the potential to be the best version, to be very, very good at many things, okay? But we're really looking at the best version of yourself. We're not trying to compare you to everyone else. Although when we get into competitive situations or, you know, we go on group rides or whatever, like naturally we do have to compare ourselves to others, right? But but the idea is not to put ourselves down. The idea is to learn from those so that we can use our specific strengths and overcome weaknesses or limiters so that we can be successful. And I, I, again, I, I think because we're talking about weaknesses, one thing from the coach standpoint is we really want to help people you know, on the training front to be able to have the most well-rounded uh, fitness possible and through the training be able to address weaknesses so that they they become less impactful to the outcome or less detrimental might be the better way to put it. Right, Joy? Like we just got, I, I don't want it because you're, you know, your climbing isn't up to snuff compared to the group you go ride with. Then all of a sudden you feel like, well, I can't even go ride with the group. Right. So we have to elevate the game of whatever weakness you've got enough so that you're in the game and you can participate and have fun and enjoy your bicycle. Like you want to enjoy your bicycle. Right. And I think, you know, looking at, um, you know, looking at uh, finding ways to, again, look at that process and being really committed and diligent to, you know, your own improvements, which I think it's social media and stuff has been really hard for this. I think even over the years that we started racing, you know, when back, back in the day, we didn't have all these comparisons. Right. And I feel like 
the ego gets bruised so quickly. Um, you know, and I think, you know, we were taught, Brian and I were talking about last time in situations where being okay with not winning something when your goal, like, I think so many of these weaknesses come down to mindset and how we're processing things. Like, the, again, that year I won the Criterium Championship, I also won the Time Trial Championship. Um, and then I came back the next two years with a better bike, better pacing, like I ripped it, like super solid like execution my numbers were great like it was really like the best time trial i could ever do and i got second on on the year after and then the following year i got third and those were so um emotionally damaging which is so funny because they were on paper i mean i think i i think by i took a minute off each year on a 40k um and I mean, that was, it was really great. And we had committed so much to it. And so I, I really want to help the athletes not get down that road that I went because a win, it, like literally nobody remembers that I won that time trial in 2014. You know what I mean? Like, and, and nobody remembers and more so that I got second and then third the next year, like literally nobody cares. And so if I could be like, man, I really ripped it and I focused and that I did such diligent training and I made these really big improvements on the exact same course. That's a very rich experience. And so helping our athletes see that, I think is something I'm very passionate about now to help them find that, um, that really embrace the process and, and looking at that personal gain, because there's going to be somebody come out of the woodwork, woodwork who's going to pass me before the first turn and put 30 seconds in. <laughs> Okay. And, and I just got to let it go because I'm on my path. And I think that's a really hard process for people to do right now. Well, and we don't want anyone to go down, have to deal with all the negative uh, side effects of, of questioning your self-worth, wondering, was it all worth it and all this stuff. But when, if we could just look back at actually your execution and we can look back at with the benefit of hindsight, what an incredible job you did. You did so good in the training. You did so that whole day, both those years you were just on and ready to go and someone showed up who was faster. Like there was so much for me as I didn't do the effort. I was just super proud of you for what you did. Right. And, but oftentimes we can't treat ourselves with that own, that same grace that say our friends and loved ones would treat ourselves with. And so that, that I think is really important when we start evaluating our weaknesses and looking at ourselves in an honest way is that we, we want to do all of that with through the lens of treating yourself as, as a really prized person and someone that you love and care about as well. Treat yourself like you would treat others. And most of us are very, very good at treating others with respect and dignity and love and care. But then when it comes to ourselves, we talk as athletes, we talk down on ourselves. Oh, I'm terrible at this. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not that good at that. And so I, that, that I think as an athlete, we have to, use a more sophisticated lens to look through that and look, look at ourselves and go, Hey, like I did really good today. That result was definitely not what I wanted. Like I really, really wanted to win, but like, man, I rode good. I rode everything I rode. That's the best I could do. You know, and you can apply that. It doesn't have to be to a state time trial champion. It doesn't have to be that. It can be to your Tuesday group ride where you're like, man, I really, you know, coach Brian told me, and I have some guys that like, I've worked with and, you know, it's very intimidating to go on the group ride and they go out there and they kind of get their heads kicked in. Right. And, but it takes a really big 
it takes a big bit of self-confidence to look at that and go, but you know what? I actually did really good today. Like, like I challenged myself. I got outside my comfort zone. I did this and I did really well. And that's what, what you have to be willing to do when we start talking about addressing your weaknesses is you got to be willing to, to give yourself that grace. Otherwise it just becomes a miserable experience. Right. And well, yeah, cycling I, has, is such a rich experience. It doesn't need to be miserable. Right, Joy? Right. And I think, you know, looking at, um, you know, if, if when you're looking at, you say, like sprinting, climbing, pack riding and stuff, uh, figure out your why. Like, why do you want it? Why do you want to be a good sprinter? You know, why do you want to be a good climber? You know, maybe I want to be a good climber because my recovery rides have a thousand feet on them of elevation gain right? Makes sense. You know, maybe I want to be, I used to want to be a good sprinter because I love fast technical criteriums, right? And so, and I didn't do, you know, that to me that became important. So figure out your why, just kind of like wrap up this question is figure out your why. Why do you want to be a climber? Why do you want to be a sprinter? Okay. When you figure that out and one's got it and we're just focusing on climbing versus sprinting, but obviously they're polar ends of the, the spectrum, but you know, if all of your local climb riding has a ton of climbing in it, you probably want to be proficient to get up that hill, right? And and then from there, you can kind of formulate a path to, and I'm just using climbing, like, I want to be a good climber because my local group ride has 3,000 feet of climbing on it. And when it returns, hopefully sooner than later, you know, maybe in the fall, I can go ride with my friends, then, um, you know, here's a pathway. Now we can start doing some fine tuning. Um, and realize, you know, if I, if I focus a lot on my climbing right now, my sprint might not be as spicy as before, but guess what? If I get to a finish and I'm, I'm more fresh or I'm able to get there more easily because my climbing is better, then maybe your sprint will be there. So there, there, it's a, it's a kind of a fun game to play, but figure out your why and then back work, um, how to develop these weaknesses. You already answered, uh, great chunk of the second part of the question that our listener said. It says, um, it says, how do we get our urgency back? What, how, how do we get that sense that we all need to push that, la that motivation to go all in quote, that feeling of urgency to be your best at a key event. Urgency is such a key driver on and off the bike right now. It feels like September months away from the season. How can I bring it back to focus? What are, what are your thoughts? Right. And, and, and you already answered so much of that. But one thing I think this is a great opportunity for us to hit on is, is just having, having goals. Okay. And so much of this particular period of time, uh, you know, that's why we're asking you to address your weaknesses because a new goal can emerge from that because now you have some time to say, Hey, I'm going to work on this climbing. I'm going to work on nutrition. I'm going to work on being better prepared or adding a little extra time to my cycling or whatever it is that you can identify, but goals can emerge from that. And we don't have to be in a place where we're like, well, I need a, you know, Grand Fondo. I need a century. I need a race. I need a mountain bike event, a gravel, gravel event, whatever it is. You don't have to have those things in front of you to be motivated, right? Like very well, you could be motivated by, hey, Climbing is not my specialty. It's really difficult for me. And every time I look at the mountains, I just go, Ugh, I don't want to do this. And if you can find that, that joy in that, in that process at this period of time, when you go back to whatever regular looks like, 
uh, whatever normal looks like, right, as we emerge from the COVID-19, you're going to be in a situation where you're like, wow, I'm so glad I invested that time because now I'm so much better. I'm so much better prepared. So I think this period of time to bring that zeal back into your training, it just requires a little bit of a goal. And that goal has to have some importance to you. It can't be an arbitrary goal. So I can't say, hey, you need to get to four watts per kilogram of uh, a body, you know, a 20-minute power. Well, that's arbitrary. That's arbitrary. You might not yeah. like that, right? That, that might be very, very boring for you or not get you fired up. But if I say, hey, you climb, I was just talking to one of my athletes this morning, and, and he lives up in the uh, Santa Barbara area. So he always climbs the very famous climb they do it in the Tour of California called Gibraltar. And he would always go up Gibraltar Mountain. I said, have you ever timed yourself up Gibraltar? Said, no, I never have. I said, let's do it. Let's do it. Because he's, he's in a situation where he's like, man, I'm, I'm just floundering a little bit. And I said, just do it. Let's time yourself up it. And then let's see if we can go about whittling some time off of it through any various means, be it hydration, nutrition, training, um, ex, you know, standing, posture, posturally, any other things that we could do to help squeeze time out of those things. But that starts with, hey, that's actually a really good goal, Brian. I've never really thought of that. So at this period of time, like... Let's let's turn some of these weaknesses into goals, right, Joy? Yeah, totally. And there's, you know, looking at the the landscape's going to change a little bit, right? And I think we're by nature endurance athletes are very type A and driven, and we're goals, 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 goals. But giving yourself a little breather, okay, and now finding these smaller scale things, you know, like let's 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 go for, um, you know, we started something really cool here with big world coaching is like, like set those benchmarks, you know, and I was, I kind of spearheaded it because I've been floundering since, you know, having Seamus like almost two years ago. And so I was like, Hey, how do we get some sort of purpose back and looking at really trying to find the enjoyment in the process. And that's really like not tangible for many athletes, but now we're seeing people that are like, Hey, now I, I have a little bit of a purpose. Um, you know, I can get some some good adrenaline going and some endorphins going. But it again, it's that little bit of that paradigm shift. Like, why have we been doing this all along? If I only train to get so that I could go to the races, well, when I don't know, like when you stop racing, when you age out of it, what are you going to do? So again, kind of leaning on our our friends from the strength training community, like. They always go to the gym. Like everybody's buying home weights right now. They never missed a beat, you know, where cyclists are like, well, the races are done. I guess I'm hanging my bike up. I'm like, no, 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 no. We do this for life, for wellness, for, for mental clarity. Like there's so many other reasons to be an endurance athlete and to ride your bicycle and do these things that it's, a, again, that little bit of a paradigm shift of the why. And then all of a sudden, some little light bulbs go off, Right. You know, maybe some of your riding gets knocked, knocked down a little bit, but you're riding with a partner, you're riding with a kid or two, um, building that family bond and that strength. It's okay not to be having race pace efforts right now. I know some, one of my clients is he's, he's, he's dubbed himself as whipped racer now. Um, so mm-hmm. he does race. He, he's just riding. He's got asthma issues. And so he'd rather just, you know, not wear the mask and all that stuff outside. And so he's on the trainer. Um, so he's he's doing Zwift races and having a blast. Like 21, and I'm so stoked for him because he's having fun and he's enjoying it. So 
whether it's that or Brian's been jumping on like last night when he did the Alp de Zwift. So he did two and a half hours on like 5,600 feet of climbing with five of his buddy using Discord like a bunch of gamers, like chatting, talking <laughs> trash and climbing. And so like Brian would never have done that <clears throat> by himself, you know, and so you're finding these different ways to to challenge yourself. And it's, you have to really think outside the box and again, come back to that why. Did I only want to be four watts a kilo so I could smash this certain person at a bike race? Like so arbitrary, so arbitrary. So finding stuff that's going to like really like resonate for the long haul, I think will be powerful. And the best way to kind of figure that out is out riding on the bike and your the wheels in your brain can start turning and be like, man, why am I doing this? What do I really want? And it's such a positive experience when you do, right? So don't think everyone by listening to this that somehow we're advocating that that, you know, well, I guess what we are advocating is like, go ride your bicycle, do some self, self-reflection. self We don't expect, don't expect yourself to have the answers right away. Just come back and be like, yeah, you know what? I don't think I'm as good as the climber as I thought I was. Or, hey, I, I'm not as prepared. You know, the last time I did that Grand Fondo, I was not as good as I thought I was going to be. And now I'm another year older. And well, how am I going to do it now? Right? Like, it's okay to look at yourself in that frame of reference and go, okay, cool. This is where I'm at today. And this is how I'm going to get better moving forward. And it's that yeah. I think is such a powerful component in this, in this moment in time where there is so much uncertainty that surrounds us. And that's really why we put together that big wheel benchmark. And for anyone who's, who's listening to the podcast, who hasn't heard about the big wheel benchmark, it's just, it's a four week program and it's totally free. We just want everyone to, uh, to, have a goal and be able to share it using the hashtag big wheel benchmark. And uh, so like this week, we're all going out and doing kind of a baseline effort on that. And then we're going to do some training together um, virtually, of course, and, uh, and some stretching and zooming and offer some training advice, et cetera, et cetera, to help people kind of set a new benchmark for themselves. So they, we want for you as our listeners and our athletes and our fans and friends, um, our community we want you guys to emerge from whatever the new normal looks like. We want you to emerge motivated, prepared, confident, and just excited for whatever's next. And, and the best way we can help you do that is challenge you to search within yourself and say, hey, you know that local climb that I've been doing in 10 minutes? I think I could do it in 930. And then help you go out and do that. And obviously, we can do that through coaching uh, directly one-on-one, -on -one, but we've also got some things that we'll uh, we'll do. We're doing some Monday and Friday recovery rides uh, virtually on Zwift and then a Zoom recovery set, uh, stretching yoga session afterwards that you guys are welcome to. You can just check that out on our social media and it's free to join. And and uh, we certainly encourage that. So if you haven't heard of the Big Wheel Benchmark, you know, feel free to reach out, ask us questions or otherwise just get involved and check it out. So yeah, and um, I think that, that actually is a, well, that's a good springboard into, you know, another question or a weakness of an athlete brought up was um, consistency. And what we really kind of part of our, our process here is offering those Monday and Friday recovery rides and stretching sessions. We're bookending, you know, putting those, um, uh, what is it called? So the books don't fall over. <laughs> Oh my goodness! We're <laughs> they are bookends, Joy. That's what it's what you call them. You call them bookends, dear. I so, there's no other. There's no other um, way to call them. That. 
That was so mom brain. The, you got it. Move forward. Yeah, you got it. We're, we're, got putting it. The, we're putting the gargoyles on the end of the week. So, um, but that's, <laughs> we've already gotten the, the feedback from athletes. They're like, I really look forward to that because a, it holds me accountable to get me to stretch or to, to ride easy. Cause nobody likes to ride easy. And it's something to look forward to. It creates that rhythm. Okay. So it's, it's that rhythm is so helpful of, uh, okay, I'm going to ride easy on Monday, which means I can probably ride hard on Tuesday. And so the, the weakness of athletes we're seeing across the board right now is consistency and, and adherence, you know, and now if we can add those fun or those social aspects. So, you know, really encouraging people to, you know, I have a group of ladies that are getting on tomorrow and they're going to use zoom and they're all doing Zwift and they're zooming and they're doing all these things together. So it gives them all right, I have a big thing to do on Saturday. So maybe on Friday, I'm going to go easier and more restorative. Um, and so uh, looking at that consistency is, you know, plan your days, you know, pretend like you're still going into work nine to five. And it's like, man, I've got to get up and ride, especially now it's getting hot. So scheduling things, putting it on your calendar, I'm going to ride easy. You know, that's where our training peak calendars are amazing, but I might have this full month of training, but now I'd be like, okay, so I know Tuesday I need to ride longer. So let me, I'm going to literally write that into my daily calendar and make sure that it gets done. And that can really help with that consistency issue. Um, and like I said, you're going to find a lot of clarity if you do get that time to get out and ride. And kind of once you clip in, it's like, okay, I'm glad I made time for this. So, you know, having having the the structure can really help get back on track with some consistency. There's a great training adage. It says, plan your work and work your plan, right? Plan your work and work your plan. And that will help you with your consistency immensely, right? If you're, if you're struggling right now, trying to maintain consistency, just make a plan. It doesn't even have to be a perfect plan. Just make a plan. And then you just yeah. know that you're going to tweak, you're going to tweak it along the way. So make your plan and then work your plan right? Plan your work, work your plan, plan your work, work your plan. So just know that, you know, obviously we're here to help you with that. If you have questions, certainly we can help you with that, but that's, uh, that's what we would say. That's certainly what we do for our athletes. And, and, uh, well, frankly, it's something we like to do. And we try to, you know, bring to all aspects of our life, you know, even, even in our parenting, we try to have a plan, right? So uh, yeah. as far as, uh. yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, how about, okay. So we, did we cover everything on training that you want to cover joy? Are you feeling good about that one? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so because of, of the questions that came across and I think, and I think they, you know, it, it, it segues nicely into the next one too. Okay. Well, and so one of the nice things about training is that, well, everything is all, it's like an umbrella, you know, training is kind of everything, right? And one, one kind of sub aspect of that, that's going to become more and more important here as spring transitions into summer or rather really spring gets kicking off in full steam like it's starting to do this week here in Southern California is it's going to get hot. And so hydration is going to be more and more and more of an issue. So if you're listening to this before the weekend, uh, I, I strongly, 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 strongly advise that you should have, you know, drink extra water, you know, on and off the bike and uh, make sure that you have hydration and all that stuff. And so that has given us this opportunity to start talking about hydration and how that can help us and maybe even some of how hydration looks different nowadays because the world is not as open and free as it's been before maybe you don't want to go to watering holes 
that you used to go to, whether they be a water fountain on the side of the road uh, put together by a nice homeowner or even a park, or for that matter, you don't want to stop at, you know, 7-Eleven and get a Gatorade, you know what I mean? So, well, so yeah. as a weakness, think, Joy, what's, what's your thoughts on hydration? No, well, the question is, you know, the, the athlete asks, you know, how much do I need? Um, um, and it's, it's a two-part question. We'll just look at that first. And I think, you know, what Brian said is, I, I believe the majority of us drink less than we should, you know, especially like, mm. man, we've got overflowing coffee pots and rumor has it that the beers start popping at like 2 p.m. from this work from home scenario. So like looking at that, everybody's getting very dehydrated, right? And here in Southern California, we're hitting, um, you know, 80 plus degrees, which is hot, hot, hot. And it's going to be a shock to the system. So how much do you need there? I mean, you could do a lot of speculation. You could do like, hey, I'm going to weigh myself before my ride. I'm going to go ride outside for three hours and weigh myself again. And whatever my loss was, I need to multiply that by X and then I need to drink that. So for us, I'd rather say, hey, drink two bottles an hour, drink before, drink during, drink after um, and, you know, hydrate throughout the day. But now, Brian, I know you've done a lot of reading and research with Stacey Sims. And her big tenant, and I think along with Alan um, from Scratch Labs, looking at um, that having electrolytes with the water is going to be your best bet. So even if it's like sea salt in your water with some lemon, you're going to be better off. So Brian, can you speak a little bit more to that? Oh, absolutely. There's Stacey Sims is, she's a great author. You know, we've talked about her book here and uh, we just, we've gone a number of number of seminars from her. And one of the things that she always says is electrolytes in the bottles, food in the pockets. Okay. And there's two schools of thought with that, right? Like there, there are people that want us to drink our calories because it's easier on the gut. Right. And so that would be, you know, think companies like infinite tailwind, first endurance, these kind of companies. So you can get, um, products that have 250, 300 calories in a scoop. And so you get all of your calories and hydration in a bottle. Well, Dr. Sims is, she's just not on that program. And, and I don't want to say that one is better than the other because I think it's individualized, but at least at this particular time, when we're just speaking of heat, really those electrolytes are huge, 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 huge. And what can happen sometimes is when we start adding um, calories to the bottle, for instance, this is where something this like this can be not beneficial or not ideal is that if you have 300 calories in a bottle, okay, and Joy just said, hey, it's really hot out, try and drink two bottles an hour, okay? Let's just say you're sitting here listening to this podcast and you're 180 pounds and 50 years old, okay? Like you need those two bottles. And if you put 600 calories, 300 in each bottle, there's no way your stomach can do that, right? So what I think is really important is you have to think about how much you should consume and then how much you are consuming because that's really going to affect the calorie count in those bottles, okay? So what, what I tend to think is food in the pockets works really well because I can moderate my water consumption, my fluid consumption on the bike because if it's just, say, like a Scratch Labs or an Osmo or, or GQ6, we really, really like GQ6, that's, those are very light as far as taste and and carbohydrate content, okay? So it makes it very easy to consume a lot of it. Uh, so you get the electrolytes you need and the hy hydration and fluid intake that you need. And then that can be, I can adjust my food intake 
through what's in my pockets. So I'd say for everyone at home listening to this as it gets really, really hot, you can easily double your fluid intake as long as it A, tastes good, B, isn't wrecking your stomach. So the most important thing when you're thinking about going on your weekend rides or even your afternoon uh, rides that are hot, really, really, really think about like, I mean, one bottle an hour is the absolute minimum, right? If you're, if you're going to go out for a two-hour ride, that you better have two tall boy bottles. You just got to have two yeah. tall boys and, and, and at the very least. But like you said in the past, Joy, and I thought this was really good when we were talking about the planning was back in the day, you know, we just, when you're training and training for racing, uh, specifically at the pro level, you never want to stop. And so we would, we would three quarter fill a water bottle and stick it in the freezer. So it would freeze. Okay. And then once it was frozen, we would jump out on the bike the next day and you could go ride in the heat because the heat acclimatization was really important to do. And we put that frozen bottle on the back. And then by, you know, by the time you got an hour in, you could take the, you know, dry one off of your 45 minutes, take the dry one off of your back or out of your cage, put it in your pocket. So now you're not carrying any weight. And then you, now you have two fresh bottles and that can get you to two hours before you stop for the first time. So there's a yeah. lot of ways to kind of hack the system. But definitely, definitely, definitely know that you need a lot of water. You need a lot of water. And, it can, and if you can, I say electrolytes. Um, and I'm not trying to be overly momming to everybody right now. I just think it's really, really good. And that's why something like a GQ6 is great because it's such a uh, – it's so light. You can drink a lot of it. And that's the thing. I, I certainly don't want you to have to buy something else to, to enjoy your cycling. But when it's light, you can do – have so much more of it, which means you're more likely to consume the amount of fluid you really, really need uh, when it does get warm out there. Because remember, there's a lot of heat stress on your body when you're out there, just just by fact of being outside right now when it's hot. So you might be riding along it, for lack of a better term, at 200 watts or you know an endurance pace, right? And it feels quite a bit harder. Well, it's because of the heat, because your body's trying to dissipate that heat. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, give yourself a little bit of grace and go, you know, a little bit shorter and a little bit lighter this weekend as we're getting accustomed to this heat, you know, and, you know, I've encouraged, you know, if if people are riding dirt, any sort of gravel or anything, take a camel back, even though that's counterintuitive to the heat, but with, we're not wanting to stop um, due to COVID and and not needing, wanting to go into other places or touch like public water fountains or they're closed. Um, you know, take the tall boy bottles, put one of the, some of my friends putting frame bags on, like we're not racing, we're, you know, we're not doing group rides. So if you're solo or with your, your foreign teammates, you know, put a handlebar burrito bag on there, like put the, the bottle cages behind your saddle, like triathletes. So you can, in theory, take two tall boys to have four total bottles. So then you can be really self-supported. And when you're drinking on the bike, I want you to think, you know, every 10 minutes, so a lot of people say, hey, I waited and I started drinking an hour in because I wasn't thirsty. Well, you're behind. Okay. So too think, late. Yeah. Think bird feeder, drip line. Like I want a consistent influx of between from my calories of solid, solid food to also, you know, my, my hydration. Um, and, and the second part of this question was, hey, I'm having a really hard time getting my bottles in and out. So, you know, and so I, I believe I'm under eating or drinking because of that. And um, that's where, you know, obviously if we're doing mixed train, you can go the camelback direction. But um, this solo riding is such a powerful time to work on bike skills, you know. So 
when I teach coaching clinics and when I teach riding clinics, we do a lot of straight line drills where it's like, Hey, I want you to look forward. And even we have a lot of green lanes around here. So how wobbly will I get in the green lane if I try to like take my vest off, right? Or get my water bottles out. And it's a great way if you're by yourself, you're doing a recovery ride of, hey, I'm putting my left hand on the top of my bars, looping my thumb underneath, and I'm looking straight forward, you know, engaging my core so I'm not falling over or wobbly, and I'm getting my bottles in and out. So practicing these slow speed stuff, just like how Michael Jordan shot thousands and thousands of free throws, even though he was the best in the world, like working on those fine mechanics, okay, little slow stuff that when under pressure, we find it very challenging. We realize we've ridden our bike for two hours. We haven't drank anything, right? And so doing these like slow speed stuff of looking forward or like, you know, you're spinning around, you're looking forward and your bottle cages never move, right? So they're always right there. They're always in the exact same spot. So you don't have to look at them. Right. And so you could practice this on the trainer too. you know, make, make use of that Zwifting time of I'm locked in on the trainer. I'm going to practice, you know, holding my bike in different, you know, hands in different positions on the cockpit. So I'm in the drops and on the tops, right. I'm always looping my thumbs when on the tops and, and try to get that bottle out. Um, same thing with your food in your pockets. Cause that can be kind of prohibitive as well. So slow riding, you're riding by yourself. You don't need to be in a rush. So practice the skills. Don't underestimate the power of doing the foundational things well, right? The best athletes do the small details greatly, right? Like that's so simple to just go ride your bike in and out with the left hand with the water bottle, in and out with the right hand, in and out of your pockets, you know, do it on Zwift while you're riding uh, the, the train or, or whatever and whatnot. Like those are real life things that although they sound remedial, we're not trying to impress upon everyone that, hey, it's easy because it takes time. It's not necessarily natural to look to your le to right side, right? Remember all this when we first started driving our cars and we had to learn how to look in our mirrors or look in the back of the vehicle in the back seat without swerving into the other lane? Well, guess what? We learned it in our cars. We can certainly do it on our bicycles, right? It's just no. the same concept. No, no, yeah. not so much. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> but so, to, 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 I know I always ask people when I'm at these like bike clinics where I'm teaching and I'm like, dude, you're like wobbling. You're all like every time you move your neck, your bike moves like two feet. And it's like you drove on the, the freeway at approximately 72 miles an hour to get here and nobody crashed, you know, and you change multiple lanes. Let's let's trickle that down to the bicycle. You know, this is your steering wheel. So, you know, a lot of that that you know, you think it's so basic and remedial, but it can literally like save your tail in all scenarios. So I think, you know, looking kind of wrapping up these two great hydration questions is drink way early and often on the bike, have electrolytes. Okay. Um, ha have, you know, add a little extra sea salt to your vegetables tonight. There's no, there's no harm in that. Um, and just, you really want to be topped off and, you know, feeling like, oh man, I, I have to use the restroom you know, I have to pee like three more times during the day than usual. Good. Okay. So you're, you're getting your levels up there and then practice getting those bottles in and out. So I think that kind of kicks the ball over Brian into the nutrition realm. Oh boy. Nutrition questions. So kind of final topic today for weaknesses. Okay. Question is under fueling for potent efforts, but I'm thinking the lower calories will make me leaner. 
Question mark. Joy? Joy? <laughs> Fasted riding, essentially? Uh, Underfueling? <sighs> well, you guys, you can, you, yeah, can, go, you, can last, you can last until like 3 p.m. and then you're going to eat so much at dinner. Like it just negates the whole thing. You know what I mean? So it's like, and I think we talked about this in another podcast as well. It's like, hey, if you're going out there and doing hard efforts, underfueled, you're not giving a heart, getting a high return on your investment. You're underperforming. You're like, you're you're not boosting your metabolism as you should, and you're going to fatigue much more quickly, right? And then the chances are, you know, if you're overeating when you get back into the house. Like it's a completely moot point anyways. So if you're well fueled of that, again, that consistent, like I ate breakfast, I rode my bike, I ate on the bicycle, I ate afterwards of more spaced out and better timed, you're going to avoid that massive 2000 calorie binge dinner, right? And, and eating late into the night and then going to bed. Um, and potent fueled workouts are phenomenal like you're gonna hit numbers you're gonna like hit parameters that you never thought possible if you had that fuel in there and then it gives you the chance like hey maybe i'm not gonna eat two hours before bedtime that's a much better option than cutting calories when you're doing work oh yeah you don't want to do that right a well-fueled athlete is a is a dangerous athlete right like you're gonna be on it on it on it you know, and I would say one of the things from Dr. Sims that she always kind of put together that I thought was really fascinating and so important for us to bring up right now is you got to think of where did all this this knowledge like, OK, there's the we can start with, well, no pain, no gain. Right. So I if I start hungry and then I'm mentally strong enough to get out and disciplined and I get on my bike and I do my intervals, then because I did them hungry, I'm somehow tougher and better. Right. And it's like, well, not really. Not really. That's not how it works. So when you look at when you look at the test subjects for which a lot of these notions have been brought upon, very, very few of them are what we would call well-trained endurance cyclists. OK, and that's an important thing to, to consider is that who who are we who's giving the advice that's telling us, hey, you know, fat for fuel, don't eat, don't eat carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are bad or hey. Don't, you know, fasted training is going to be the best way to get, you know, your best sprint. Uh, you know, we have to think through those things. And I always think that when it comes back to it, and Dr. Sims is always really good about this. She's like, hey, if you can hit bigger numbers, harder training is what's going to make you better. Not fasted training, harder training. How do you get to harder training? Well-fueled training. Okay. So, you know, again, coming from old school you know, road cyclist, it was always like, yeah, don't eat on the bicycle, don't eat on the bicycle, train your body to use the fat on board and really starve yourself. And then what happened? We would all just eat the house down when we got back, right? And so now it's just like, oh no, we go on rides now and we eat like crazy on the bike because we can eat everything that we can digest on the bike because you're going to use it, right? And that actually helps extend the metabolic effect deeper into the day from your riding because you worked so much harder on your bike. So what, what do I mean by that, right? The concept is when you do hard work and then you stop, your metabolism is still generating and churning and doing things, right? Well, the harder you work, the harder your metabolism has to churn. And so what I want you all to think is when we talk about fueling your efforts and having potent and powerful efforts, the more powerful and the more potent your efforts are, 
the harder your metabolism churns. Remember what we've said in previous podcasts? Yes. Yes. What makes the best athletes the best is that they all have high, high, high output metabolisms. Okay. That's the one common element across all world-class athletes is really, really well-developed metabolisms, right? How are you going to get that? You hit it hard in training. How are you going to hit it hard in training? Going to fuel the beast, you know, feed the beast. Yeah. And you just, you know, the, the, I, I think this is a great looking at with our training back to the consistency question. The more consistent you are with your training, the, the more your food meals begin to fall in line. It all, it all works together. Everything goes hand in hand. So when I'm kind of absent on my training structure, my, my eating habits kind of go sideways or go lax or, you know, I'm, it, it's much better when you have a system in place that works for you. Okay. And so kind of coming down now we're, you know, we're well into our lockdowns and kind of figure out, okay, what's my why? How do I want to kind of put this all together? Um, that that's going to make it so, okay. Now I know that I'm going to eat my breakfast because I'm going to get on the bike by 9 a.m. That's a much better scenario than kind of willy-nillying around and then finally getting on your bicycle. Oh, excellent point, Joy, about the consistency because that makes such a big difference. And, well, obviously, once we have everybody uh, or once you're doing your regular training, everything else falls into line. I love that point. Thanks for for bringing it up. But – you know, we think if that kind of maybe segues into that last question we have, which is what about snacks and chocolates, right? Like everybody has a weakness, right? And uh, that's what this whole podcast has been about. And uh, I love it that we're all so forthright about it that uh, sweets and having a sweet tooth could be could be a weakness. So, uh, you know, you're talking about everything falling in line, Joy. Do you have, uh, you know, you do like the snacks. What, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, snacks are uh, snacks are life. <laughs> and so even back when I was teaching PE, the kids used to make fun of me because I swear I'd like eat all day. And I know many of our athletes and our friends and, and people that have commented here are like, man, now I'm home all the time. And I'm just, you know, expenses are zero on gas, zero on entertainment, $1,000 on food. And so, you know, it, it's kind of a, and it, there's so much guilt associated with it. You know, people are like, it's a weakness. I ate the chocolate. I'm like, well, is it really that bad? You know, it comes down to like these kind of self-control and something we want to be able to manipulate. But my big, you know, suggestion to people is, um, you know, maybe minimize the amount of the candy, chocolate, sweet snacks that you have that aren't healthy. And, but, you know, allow yourself deprivation leads to indulgence. I believe, you know, anytime you say no, 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 don't do it. I like eat a bag of whatever it was, you know? And so just be like, Hey, you know, it maybe, you know, once a, once a day I'll have this, you know, Hershey's kiss size, you know, instead of like, Oh man, I ate the whole bag. It's something that I've found really helpful with the snacking is man, make, make a, uh, make a menu, especially I know a lot of people are shopping, you know, maybe for three full weeks or something like that. But when you're filling out your Instacart, if you're not going to the store, if you're going to the store before you head there, make a menu. All right. So then you have something actually planned and something that I've found helpful off and on from the 10 years of working from home is making my meals the night before, you know, like right now I've I've been getting up and riding my bike early in the morning and I make my breakfast the day before. So if you have a plan, again, kind of going hand in hand with the training, but, you know, make a menu, make a shopping list and have purposeful meals along with your purposeful training 
then you're going to have great leftovers for lunches as well. You know, and if you prep plan yourself like, hey, this is the, the allotment of food I can have today, but it's it's, you know, nutrient dense, it's nourishing, it's tasteful um, and something you're going to look forward to. And you're like, OK, I'm going to eat another rice cake. You know, that can get get pretty daunting. Um, so, you know, allow yourself a, a few little indulgences here and there, but then also, you know, stockpile, you know, if you have, you know, we have a bag of those cutie oranges, you know, Seamus likes to eat those now, or even, you know, some string cheese or, you know, have a, a lot of kind of the balanced um, fruit and vegetable options for your snacks, man, it's going to be, it's actually a lot more satiating than, than, you know, the cheap chocolate, at least the good chocolate. I know that, you know, that that's pretty pretty satiating for sure. I was just talking with one of my athletes the other day about this, this snacking, right? Cause they were like working from home. He's like, every time I go, you know, get up, I just go to the refrigerator. Like it's a habit, you know? And I, I was like, you know, this, he was telling me, Oh, I like chips and salsa or, you know, everybody's got, uh, well, you got snack foods around. They're just so easy. Right. And, and something I, that I always lean on in those situations is like you said, joy, like having that meal prep option, and that's something that's maybe not as foreign to us as cyclists, but for sure, uh, in the strength training realm, people that are going to the gym, like people that are power lifters, et cetera, meal prep is just kind of, it's part of life. It's part of what you do. And so for us, if for us as endurance athletes, if we can do that, it sure makes it super easy to get high quality carbohydrates. And I think that's something that, that people generally struggle with is getting high quality carbohydrates because, uh, of course, you just eat a lot, right? And as a cyclist, you go on a big ride on the weekend or maybe even as the weather gets better and the light starts lasting longer, people are getting longer rides either in the morning or at night before or after work. You know, you gotta, you got to want to – you need to meal prep because meal prep can make it so much easier to make great choices. And when you have – when you have, well, you're hungry and all that's around are Hersey Kisses, well, guess what? That's the way it's going to be. And you know, you kind of talked about dep deprivation, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, Joyce. You know, years ago we had this of uh, this friend of ours that we would ride with, and he was uh, he was a big man, and he he was also a very very powerful bike rider, very powerful bike riders back when we were Category Three racers, you know. And he would, because he was a big man, he would try to lose weight because he wanted to lose. He wanted to be a climber. I want to climb better. I want to climb better. So he would he would restrict his calories all week. And he would just be like running on fumes, having terrible training. And then come Friday night, he would sit down and watch like family movie night with everybody. And literally, this is not an exaggeration. He would eat an entire box of ice cream sandwiches. And it became a joke on the team that like that wasn't like that was a regular thing for Mitch. Like Mitch would just do it like once a week. Like he would just, you know, like everyone knew like dad's favorite thing was Neapolitan uh, ice cream sandwiches. And he'd eat the whole box. Right. And it's like. That's where we have a problem because if, if you're trying to restrict yourself down so much and you're putting so much pressure on yourself about food, well, gosh, all you're going to eat is the whole box of, of, of ice cream bars or the whole bag of Hershey Kisses. Like, it's okay to have some moderation. And I think for us as endurance athletes, you know, and people that are always pushing the limits, it's, it's oftentimes very difficult to have moderation. And I think if we can bring moderation into our conversation about snacking, all of a sudden, it's not nearly as big of a night uh, a deal as if there's major restriction going on because then, uh-oh, 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 right? Now we're getting into a situation, no moderation. It's just all indulgence, like you said, Joy. That's a, I think that's a really good point. How'd you put that? That was, uh, 
you said restriction and indulgence. How'd you say that? I can't remember, but I think, you know, that it's, uh, you know, there's, and so many times there's a self value judgment um, placed on eating a chocolate. Right. And that can be, we really need to step away from that, you know, especially now where there's so many stressors, the last thing you need to be like, Oh man, I'm such a horrible person because I ate Reese's peanut butter cup. Um, And it's like, uh, no, not really. And what I've seen too is with that calorie restriction around your rides or earlier in the day, come the evening time, that's when we eat all of those things, right? And so, you know, when we don't really have a lot of those things around the house just because, you know, we probably would eat them quickly. Um, and I do find that they're more expensive too. So, like, look, shopping on a budget, you know, like so many of the things I've been making are Instapot, Crock-Pot. Um, big pasta dishes that we get to see like several renditions of and in, in several different ways but that also provides you like hey I just got back from my ride and oh look there's just something I have to you know throw in the microwave or on the stove and I actually have like a well-rounded meal so I think eating on a regular time time basis throughout the day and um, you know having that nutrient-dense food don't be afraid of the avocados the you know the quality cheeses, that good fat, right? And get that in your diet and you're going to be much less prone to eating all the snacks, right? And then just, you know, when you're making that shopping list, like be like, is this something I really need on there? You know, is this, you know, do I really need these, um, you know, the, what are those, whatever cookies, you know, in the, in the package dial, it's like, man, well, maybe make some cookies with your family and, make it an event and like a learning experience and something fun to do together. Cause everyone is like, how am I going to spend another 30 minutes today with my kids? You know, make some cookies and eat them, you know, and show them the value of, you know, making food and eating the food. And, you know, I think you can look at it in a really positive experience of you're not a, you're not a worse person and you, and you literally did not just gain two pounds by eating a cookie. There was a time I can't remember. We watched a documentary once and it was by a, by a nutritionist and the, and the, and the guy, the moral of the guy's story was like, yeah, I don't care if you eat, like if you eat, you know, sugary baked goods, he's like, just make sure you make them. He's like, that's the deal you make with yourself. Like if you make cake, like you can eat cake, right? Like, but don't, don't like buy the, the, the claim jumper nine, 11 layer decadent chocolate cake and be like, well, yeah, I mean, Hey, it's just here. So, you know, I mean, Mitch Porsche, he would, he would eat the whole thing. So I'm like, Hey, I got to do it too. Right. So, well, anyway. I think that was Michael Poland. That was um, in defensive food. Oh, that's what it was. That was a good one. That was yeah. Because you know, it's like, hey, like if I make my bread, and so I mean, everybody's making bread these days, so you could probably find a really nice loaf of bread. But you know, I, I think the the snacking, like, take away the um, it's not a value thing. Like this, we're not in the ethics committee about. What, what you ate or didn't eat. And I think so many people, you know, give yourself a win, like look at all the positive things you've done and really set yourself up for success. And I think that meal planning can really help. Um, and it can help, you know, we're, and I think a lot of these things with these weaknesses that we've talked about today are like just streamlining your life, you know, and like figuring out the why, you know, why are you a bad person because you ate the snacks? Like, do you feel worse? You know, like you can't literally gain a pound of adipose tissue in a day. So if you weigh more tomorrow, it's called hydration, right? And so there, there's all these myths and misnomers, you know, of like, you know what, just 
we need to kind of think about nourishing yourself from the inside out. And if that's a bag of uh, like Chips Ahoy cookies, I don't, I, it's probably not the best choice. Yeah, you're right, Joy. It might not be the best choice. We'll leave it. We'll leave it there, Joy. You're right. It might not be the best choice. Expensive. It's expensive. You're right. Well, yeah, and and, you know when it comes to snacking, just again be mindful about it and think about it. Like, hey, if you're having uh, pretzels and peanut butter, maybe ditch the pretzels, keep the peanut butter, and add in. You know, uh, Joy, you came up with this a great idea. Like, just do uh, celery sticks with ants on a log, right? Like, do the peanut butter and celery (laughs) sticks. Adds. Add some raisins, ants on a log, right? Like, there you go. Yeah. That was something you did growing up, right? So it's like, not always do we're, are we saying like, hey, throw everything out and, and again, grab a head of kale and just go for it. And that's not what we're saying. We're saying like, hey, maybe we can just make a slightly better choice. And that's important, right? Because so like the pretzels aren't yeah. really necessary, but the peanut butter, hey, you know what I mean? You're a cyclist. You're working hard. You did a hard workout. Like there are certainly worse choices. Keep the peanut butter. So. Well, and, mm-hmm. and fat's a, fat's a good thing. And, you know, just. Keep some of those high quality those citruses, like the little cuties. I'm telling you, you eat that, and that citrus will like. I don't really crave the chocolate or the peanut butter as much anymore. You know, it's like, hey, you're and if and if your body's asking, there's a there's a whole movement which we won't delve into here with the intuitive eating. Like, if you're hungry, there's a reason, right? And you know that think about that fueling and just you know make sure get up in the morning and eat food, you know, and then you're going to be at a much better spot come come bedtime. I love that. And I love that. Well, Joy, any closing thoughts about any of our topics, training, hydration, uh, food, uh, nutrition, anything there as, as, as re- results or relates to weaknesses? Just pare it down, like keep it super simple and figure out your why. Why is this a weakness? You know, or why does it matter to me that I'm that it's a weakness of mine now? And then it's much easier to answer the questions of how should I train for that or or you know, how should I change my fueling? Um, and then practice, you know, especially with the, 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 on the bike hydration, practice it. You got to do it. Yeah. That one for sure. That takes practice, especially with the heat coming, you know, and us, our bodies being not heat acclimated specifically here in Southern California, but everywhere across the U S as it warms up, no one's ready, no one's ready for it. So it doesn't have to be a hundred degrees to be hot, right? It can be just 80 degrees and warming and you can be, whew, you know, you start sweating more, your performance goes down, this, that, the other. So definitely, as far as that goes, it's just practice, practice, practice. And even with the snacking, right? Everything, right? Practice, give yourself the credit when you do something well. Give yourself the credit and don't beat yourself up. We want this to be a really powerful and positive experience for you, okay? And that's not because we're trying to give you an easy win. We're trying to say that if you reward yourself for doing the right thing, you're more likely to do more of the right thing, right? That's just like simple parenting 101 here. Like it's been bestowed upon me from other great parents, you know? So uh, I'd say for everybody, if you just give yourself a little credit, don't beat yourself up so much, you know, and let's find, let's find ways for you to continue to make great choices, keep training, have a goal, work hard, and you might find that you emerge from this period of time so much better for it, right? Because you'll have you'll have persevered through some challenging times and acquired some new good habits uh, to boot, right? Joy, what was it we were reading the other day? It was like you know every every athlete is is two two habits away from greatness, right? It one was you the have habit, to give up, and and one you have to start. One you have to give up, and one you have to start, right? So maybe the pretzels are the thing you got to give up, and the and the things you got to start doing is drinking more often on your bike. Right. Like, yeah, you're, you're better. You're better. 
So let's not overcomplicate it. And like some of these weaknesses can be just changed with just as simple as a habit. So very, very positive stuff. Well, good, good. Well, thanks, Joy. Well, let's, uh, let's close this thing out with a little bit of gratuity. What are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? That's a good question. Um, you know what? I'm pretty thankful. Like we're starting a little bit, um, you know, I'm starting, uh, getting in my own training routine. <laughs> like, I mean, I've ridden every day since Seamus was born basically, but now I'm doing a little bit more purposely and, you know, I'm enjoying that process. Oh, good. Well, I'm saying the entire household's thankful that, uh, you're getting that exercise in. It's all, it's good to see you, uh, you passionate and training and, and feeling positive and seeing the results of it too. That's, that, that's really good. So yeah. And that's, that's actually something that I'm very thankful for is seeing you, uh, seeing you motivated brings me joy. And, uh, obviously having a child and being a mother and going through all of those things and battling Seamus to sleep like we have. And, and, and well, I shouldn't say we, but really you've done the, 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 the heavy lifting there, but you know, when it comes down to it, joy, like, you know, seeing you motivated and seeing, being around people that, I love being around people that want to see other people do well. Right. And that means people that support me and, and me supporting others. And so I love it that, uh, I love seeing that you're motivated and fired up and have a goal. And, you know, you're really passionate about putting this, this podcast together and helping people through some of their weaknesses and see some of them are a lot easier to, uh, to conquer shift and change and improve upon than they might ordinarily think. So I'm very thankful for that. Great job, Joy. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, very good, everybody. Well, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We're so thankful that you guys took the time to listen. If you guys uh, are interested, please, we'd love you guys to take that Big Wheel Benchmark Challenge. That's something that we're really excited about. Again, it's totally free. It's just something to, you know, just help you focus what you're doing, give you something to think positively about as we keep getting news about, you know, we don't know when uh, the events that we've all signed up for and paid for are going to happen. And so, Now's a great time to go, okay, well, I'm going to create my own event. I'm going to do my own 10,000 foot ride. I'm going to, you know, conquer Gibraltar in the fastest time that I've ever done it. I'm going to do my local five minute climb and, and be the best in my age group, whatever, whatever that is. It doesn't have to be always a, an Uber competition against others. It can be a competition against yourself, but setting a cool benchmark of something to strive for that gives you a chance to go stretch yourself and do really well. So if you'll join us on that, we would love it. Just hashtag big wheel benchmark and. There's a cool little big wheel coaching goodie bag coming your way uh, at the end of the four weeks. So that's uh, that's all you got to do. Anything else, Joy? Cool. No, just, uh, yeah, we're excited to to see the involvement and get people uh, motivated to do something a little bit different. So, yeah, all good stuff. Excellent. So tell your friends, and until next time, uh, train hard, have fun, be safe, and we'll catch you here on the next podcast. Later. All right, thanks.